Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for the Medical Association of Georgia's Top Docs Radio Show, which is made possible with a grant from Healthcare Research, a subsidiary of Alliant Health Solutions. Visit mag.org and follow MAG on Twitter and Facebook at MAG1849 to find out why MAG is recognized as a leading advocate for physicians in Georgia. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, and I am very pleased to have you with us today on the special edition of the Top Docs Radio Show, made possible by Medical Association of Georgia, our partner in the Top Docs Radio Show. And we've got a special sponsored issue of the uh, show today. We're doing uh, a conversation with Don O'Neill. He's the executive managing director for a company called Copernicus MD. And having the opportunity to sit around and chat with Don as we were waiting to jump on air here for this special edition uh, made me really pleased to be bringing him to you because I come from a background in, in healthcare myself. I was in business development role with a multi-site physician practice. One of the things that we ran into frequently, hyperbaric medicine was a part of that practice. And uh, many of the patients that would need that particular care some may be Medicare patients, but didn't have uh, secondary insurance. Some of them had high deductibles and therefore their exposure because med- uh, that particular treatment, hyperbaric medicine treatment, is one that you've got to go for every day, five days a week for a number of weeks in most cases, probably anywhere. Our average was 27 exposures, but many patients were there for 40 treatments. That's a lot when you're having to pay a facility fee and a physician fee on top of each other every day of the week at the weekends. And so we were constantly looking to find ways for these patients to be able to get the care we knew they needed, but yet be able to accommodate their patient obligation, whether that was deductible, whether that was co-insurance, co-pays, et cetera. So Don, man, I'm really pleased to have you sitting in with us in the studio today. Charles, I appreciate it. We're, we're excited to be here. Uh, I'm really excited about the product and the opportunities that the medical space provides and um, I, we're really excited for the physicians and, and what we, the benefit we have is being run as far as a board is concerned by physicians. Um, unfortunately, our chairman, Dr. Ellen Shaver, actually had two cases today. She's a practicing neurosurgeon. The benefit that we have of having physicians on the board and run the company from that aspect is that we're always physician-centric and patient-centric. And what we're excited about is finally providing a tool to physicians that really help them get paid. We we recognize that uh, physicians are, there's a contraction of not just profitability, but revenue also for physicians on every side. You know, every year you hear of Blue Cross Blue Shield or another insurance company, Aetna, whoever may be renegotiating a contract and contract payouts are going lower. And one year it might be Medicare plus 30. Now it's Medicare plus 10. <laughs> yeah. And then on the other side, they're saying deductibles are rising. So now um, by going to medical school and being in college for 12 to 15 years, having anywhere north of $300,000 in mm-hmm. student loan debt, you have the benefit of having to chase your money on top of trying to help people. So we're excited about the opportunity to get facilities and, and physicians and hospitals paid in a expeditious manner and let them focus on patient care and really healing people, not having to worry about, can we make payroll this week? Or how do we keep the lights on? Or, you know, I have $90,000 in AR and I didn't pay myself this month. Right. Talk about how this all came together, because it's pretty interesting um, how you saw an opportunity within the healthcare space where we were leaving some opportunities to 
one, improve access to care for patients who need it, who many times, as you were talking about, will opt to just not get what is at the moment an elective procedure that may later become more urgently needed because of their patient obligation and and their inability to stroke a pretty good check. So talk about how this whole thing evolved. You got started not too awful long ago, but you're receiving a great deal of interest, obviously. Yeah, so our roots lie in consumer lending and in the credit space. And we knew four and a half years ago that the opportunity was going to be in medical. We saw early on that there was a trend uh, from a credit perspective of a lot of people having collection on their bureaus for medical for medical bills, whether it be deductibles or hospital stays or elective surgeries. Uh, we saw what we call the consumerization of patients, which is patients, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, my father, your father. In those days, you had a reasonable copay. Um, you had a very low deductible and the insurance company paid the premium. If you had to go to the doctor, you paid your $2 or your $5, the insurance company paid the rest. And now what we see is is the skyrocketing deductibles that people are either foregoing medical care mm-hmm. uh, or the burden of that deductible falls on the physician or their practice to collect it. Uh, most patients aren't aware that they have that large of a, of a deductible. Um, they get that, that sticker shock when they open the envelope <laughs> yes. and say, I thought my I, I have insurance. Why would I have to pay this much money? And so we saw that opportunity about four and a half years ago, and we – Beta tested, I'll say, the model of incorporating credit in this space uh, through consumer lending and automotive. We saw the opportunity when it really looked like we're going to have a change in administrations, that the ACA, there would be a revision and some things would change. And the timing was right to accelerate our launch. Uh, We launched in September of last year as far as our platform is concerned. And we've gotten a tremendous response uh, from institutions, facilities, hospitals, physicians, simply because we're revenue-based. We're not really revenue cycle management. We help physicians, practices, and hospitals increase revenue, and we help them collect their revenue faster. So we saw that opportunity. and, And what made us unique and where we knew the opportunity was is we're the first company to really give a true uh, like a risk tool or a, a tool for analytics of risk to anyone from a hospital all the way down to your single practicing physician to know who your patient is, what their deductible looks like. And if you're going to have to accept a payment plan, is the risk there for you? And, and are you willing to take on that risk? And if you're not, our platform allows you to match that patient with third-party lenders who have the appetite for that risk and will actually loan, um, give a deductible reimbursement to the physician and collect that deductible amount from the patient. Talking with Don O'Neill of Copernicus MD and learning about their technology platform that gives patients and physicians uh, a very nice option to, as we talked about, get that patient access to care that they wouldn't be able to opt into right now just based on their current patient obligation. Uh, I, as I mentioned, came from that practice And I'm sure many of the listeners out there are going to be thinking the same thing I thought about when I first learned of Copernicus MD. It must be like care credit, right? (laughs) Uh, I'm sure that both our physicians as well as those in the dental space, for example, will be very familiar with care credit. Some people did take advantage of that opportunity, but they had definite concerns. And this is very different from that. So if you're thinking, oh, geez, I've already got care credit. I don't need to listen any further to this this conversation. Talk about why this is different, because it is. So Rolling into the space right now, there's a couple providers that are available from a physician level where 
they'll basically put a stand out with pamphlets and say, mm-hmm. um, you know, medical credits available. Yep. The problem with those providers is they're not matching the need of the patient from a deductible standpoint or from a procedure standpoint. They're making a credit decision only. So, for example, whatever company it may be, whether it's Care Credit or Wells Fargo, whoever it may be, oftentimes they'll approve you for a dollar amount regardless of what your need is for deductible. And the problem with that is, is that, you know, if you're, it's not, it's not patient centric. And what I mean by that is, is that I shouldn't have to impact my credit score and harm my score, regardless of where I fall with my score. I shouldn't have to harm that credit score and post an inquiry to find out whether or not I qualify for your loan. And so one of the unique features that we have in the platform is, is that we utilize pre-qualification technology from the bureau to allow the consumer to find out if, in fact, they do qualify for lending options from multiple providers. And if they do, then at that point, they can move forward into a hard application process. And then at that point, an inquiry will be posted. But for example, if I need $2,500 and I find out that I only qualify for $500, there really is no need for me to post five inquiries on my credit and damage my credit score. Um, And at that point, I would seek alternative methods of financing. We also, in that platform, allow for the physicians who oftentimes there's plenty of physician groups and physicians that are willing to underwrite that risk for their practice, but they'd like to have a tool to understand the patient and get an idea of how long should I extend these payments? What should I collect up front? How do I manage the auto, you know, the recurring debits, the recurring transactions? And all of those things are what we touch on in the platform as well, that we give the, the physician control of that deductible with the patient. If they want to underwrite the risk, they can do it in the platform. If they want to match the patient with a third-party lender, they can do that in the platform. But more importantly, they're never going to get that phone call of, hey, I just noticed my credit score went down 15 points because you sent my application to two lenders. And that's not a fun conversation for a secretary or a practice manager to have with a patient um, because it's a money conversation. And quite frankly, doctors didn't go to school to talk money with patients. Yeah, that's right. And I got to say, being one of those practice administrators for a period of time, I mean, I was one of those folks that was dealing with the, that that conversation, and I did see very frequently the the fact that this was going to be a credit application and reflect reflected as purely credit on my bureau. That certainly gave a lot of people pause for the reasons that you're talking about. Maybe they were going to have to try to finance a car sometime soon or at least have the option to be able to get access to credit that this would impede. And so therefore they would not get the therapy that we knew was going to help them out. And I saw that over and over. Just to kind of clarify what we're talking about with Copernicus MD, it's a service, but it's a software as a service, if I'm understanding correctly. It's a portal of some sort. That it is. It's, a web-based, it's a web-based platform for physicians, facilities, and hospitals. Yes. From a workflow perspective, because that's always a big deal, how is this going to impact the workday either for, you know, for my physicians if they're going to have to touch it at all? Or talk about that piece of it. How does it, how does it interface with my day? So it, it shouldn't impact it at all. Where uh, it should enhance your process uh, and enhance the patient experience. So um, we give the physician the options and the flexibility where we can, the night before, take your appointments of what's coming in tomorrow, or you can enter it manually. It's your choice. Um, we will then run a fraud propensity score to make sure that this patient is who they say they are. We're going to check real-time eligibility to verify that what you're showing 
in your EMR that they still have that same insurance and it is active. We also pull for a real, what they call a line 30 real-time deductible, which is the amount of deductible remaining on their policy. And then we provide with what's called a patient propensity score. And that propensity score is basically propensity to pay. It's not a credit application. It just gives the physician a perspective of the patient that they're dealing with prior to a money conversation. Now, they may never have that money conversation because someone doesn't need a procedure and they just pay their copay and move on. Um, But if, in fact, at the end of the visit, when the doctor says, Mr. Smith, I need you to go schedule this procedure for two weeks from now, uh, and, you know, the, the girl at the desk says, Mr. Smith, uh, we can get this pre-approved through your, through your policy. Uh, you have a deductible of $2,800. Will you be paying cash, check, or credit card? The moment Mr. Smith says, I don't have $2,800, uh, is when our platform kicks in. And the reality is, is we, with our licensing fee, provide a managed service for the physicians where um, the girl at the desk can actually say, Mr. Smith, I'm going to put you in contact with our finance department because we do act as an agent of the mm-hmm. physician. Dial the number. Beep, shoot, I'm right here with you. We're going to make this call together. Our agents are going to take over with the patient and let them know what their options are. Um, we will know through prequalification and not impacting the, the consumer score what lenders they prequalify for. And then if they don't and the practice says we'll underwrite the risk, we can then walk them through a payment plan with the practice over a predetermined schedule based on score and tier and other attributes uh, and, and handle that finance conversation. The important part about this is bringing that conversation to the front of the transaction. There's no surprises. There's no sticker shock when I open the envelope from the insurance company and my statement of benefits. I'm not making a nasty phone call to my physician saying, how are you sending me a bill for $3,000 when the insurance company paid you? It's all up front. So it gives the patients the options, but it also gives the physician the knowledge and the practice the knowledge. And I think that's the most important part is they're not walking in in a naked financial transaction. Um, and we talked about this before. Um, all of a sudden, they find out post-procedure that there was a $2,000 deductible, and <laughs> they're holding reimbursement for 30 days, so hoping that the hospital gets hit with it, or maybe the surgical facility got hit with it. You know up front, and the bottom line is you're handling that transaction up front. There's no surprises to the patient, and it creates a much better experience for the patient because they now have immediate choices to make, but there's no surprises for them. It's complete transparency. And I know that patient satisfaction is a big part. It's it's becoming part of how I'm reimbursed as well. So all of these types of things, I'm sure, will have some measure of impact on that overall patient report of their experience with their, well, their particular Well, we position. all know the term macro coming out. And, and again, it's all about level of patient care is what's being stressed by not just the private, the private payers, but Medicare and Medicaid as well is um, the level of care and the type of care the patient gets. Um, there's a lot more interaction with the patient. And also there's something that, as you and I were talking before, and we call it the consumerization of the patient. 15 years ago, I, never sh- I wouldn't shop a doctor based on price or based on what their cash price is as opposed to the deductible. Um, I had insurance that paid well and I paid my copay and that was it. Now um, we're seeing that basically people are handling medical consumption and medical care consumption the same way they buy a sofa or a television set. Um, I'm looking for my best price. I'm looking for, you know, what type of services am I getting? And the patient experience is part of that, right? That people still want value. It's a different ballgame than what it was for our father's doctors. Now, when I was, it's been a a little bit yet 
now for me, since I was in the practice dealing with this kind of issue, but at the time, if you were self-pay for whatever reason, my, my deductibles up there, so it's going to be self-pay. So many times the quoted price for that patient to pay cash would be full freight billing of what there is going sent to the commercial payer, for example, but then it comes back paid in a, in a discounted contract amount. The person who was paying cash was paying full freight. Are, are we seeing that change now where I can, as a practice, say, I assume with some measure of understanding of the fair and customary rules around if I'm receiving uh, Medicare uh, billing, for example, but I can say to someone who has to pay cash, I'll do it for this. There is. There's there's a move towards cash discount to patients. And what we're seeing and what we call that consumerization is is patient shopping based on that. It's kind of ridiculous when you think about it that I can have insurance that I pay a $1,000 premium for every month. And I go and I have a procedure or an x-ray or something needs to be done. And my deductible is $1,000. But I can pay $600 for the exact same procedure with no reimbursement from the insurance company. There's a, there's a movement towards that. The problem is, is that 62% of the country couldn't write a $5,000 check if they had to. So your large elected procedures, and let's say anything over a few hundred dollars, most people can't afford to write that check. And they're hesitant to put it on a credit card at 24%, (laughs) right? And so they need options. And that's really where that fits in with a physician. But yeah, there's definitely a move towards physicians giving a cash price because cash is king. You know, if I have to wait 45 days to be reimbursed, or I can take a little bit of a discount down if you give me cash right now, well, I'd rather have the money in the bank right now because 45 days could turn into 60, could turn into 70. But Mm -hmm. if your cash is right here, I'm depositing in the bank today. So there is a move towards that. When it comes to the back end of it, you have the ability to help me actually collect more of the dollars in a, I guess, more gentle way and more profitable way, if you will. I'm not wasting money that based on what you were talking about, how a collection company works on my behalf. I, it sounds like I'm just, it, it, it's like like a subscription that I keep forgetting to turn off because I, I turn it on every time I'm going to buy something at consumerreports.org and then I'll end up for months on end, pay $6 and I won't have accessed the information right. whatsoever. It sounds like in some level that when I turn my collections over to an agency, that in a way I'm doing that. Well, you know what's a, what was amazing to me, not coming from the medical vertical, but coming from the lending retail, and I came from automotive space prior to moving into medical. There's a movement to move towards a much more um, well-oiled machine mentality of business as far as collection. But what I realized is, is there's a lot of physicians that have what I call a lifestyle benchmark. And that lifestyle benchmark is I went to school for 15 years. I've been practicing for 20 years. I should be making Mm $750,000. So I'm not concerned about anything that has to do with my practice until the moment I dip below that number. And there's so much money left on the table. And and what you just said was probably the biggest. And and I'm going to say this up front. We're always a disruptor in any vertical we go into. So I'm not going to make friends with this statement. But the reality is, is that most, and I say most collection agencies are just taking money out of your pocket with no value. And the reason for that is, is that from a propensity to pay standpoint, any customer that pays you prior to 210 days, they were paying you anyway. But most physicians turn over their collections after 120. Mm -hmm. So now I'm paying someone 30% 
plus a dollar for a phone call or 50 cents for a phone call, plus printing an invoice, plus a stamp to eventually rack up a charge for someone that was going to pay me anyway. And so when you look at a profile of collection and you go post 210, 240 days, you don't have a very high collection rate, but you have a really good collection rate between 120 and 210. (laughs) And so what we work with physicians understand is, is that collection is about engagement. There's a really neat statistic out there. And that is that people who have, let's say, questionable credit all the way down to deep subprime credit. So near prime, subprime and deep subprime. They don't have, most of them don't have nefarious intentions when they, when they consume credit. They're just not really good at managing their money. And they work on what we call payment prioritization. So mm-hmm. if I have $2,000 a month that I take in as income, I'm not really good at managing who gets paid when. So if I don't engage early and often, I'm going to be the guy that's helping pay for the TV instead of me getting paid as a physician, yes. right? And so what we recognize is, and this is part of what we manage for the physicians is, you don't have to beat someone up for collection calls. You just have to give them the courtesy of engaging them early, sometimes reminding them often, but engaging them early in the process so that you are the priority until you're paid. The biggest problem for physicians is, is as a consumable, as soon as the procedure's over, there's nothing for a patient to show for it. They've consumed the medical care, Hopefully they've been healed. And if you're not in the front of their mind, they don't remember four months down the road when they get a late note. Those are patients that you engage early and often. The patients that are going to pay you anyway, it makes no sense to pay 30% on someone who maybe just didn't open your envelope. And in that case, it's about how you're reaching out and engaging that customer or that patient. And so what we do is we manage that for the physicians where we're engaging early and often. We bring the payment right to the front of the transaction. We start the ACH and debit process right when they agree to a payment plan. And so the physician gets paid early and often. Um, And that's really important. And when you look at physicians as far as what they're carrying in accounts receivable, it means the difference of 15, 20% in revenue increase, of collected revenue increase on a monthly basis. That's the difference sometimes between a physician taking home a paycheck or not. Well, you know, 15 to 20%, I mean, that's that's obviously significant revenue and it's it's revenue that you've earned it's just laying out there waiting to be brought in sure and i like how you you're willing and able to work on behalf of the practice that you're working with as a client as an agent of theirs so that i don't know how many people out there have received a call in their lifetime from a collections person i unfortunately wasn't the the best money manager as a young man so i got called a couple of times and i have to say they weren't very pleasant experiences <laughs> certainly ones that did, they didn't really inspire me uh, to want to help them um i'm sure that the way you go about that helps that process well it's it's soft collections right i mean we are not a collection agency when you get to that point my advice to a physician is sell your debt because you do no benefit to your reputation with yes. the patient. And and you can take the stance of, well, they didn't pay me, so I don't care. But you do care. Yeah. Because that patient still talks to other people. That's right. And so their experience That's is, the person who goes online to post. Right. And it's always <laughs> the one who has nothing but time on their hands yes. that, get, that has and the bad significant experience. significant dedication to getting the message out. Right. But so what we do in a soft collection basis is the first thing we do when we bring a physician group on is we say, pull in all of your accounts receivable. All right, provide us, whether it be a CSV file, a TXT file, however you want to give us the file. And what we're going to do is we're going to run it through our system. 
And there's going to be about 30 to 38% of those patients that you're just going to not contact and you're not going to engage anymore. We're going to help you sell that debt. You're going to collect whatever you can on that money and chalk it off. You can't write it off, unfortunately, as a doctor. You can't write off bad debt against your taxes. Um, but you're going to chalk it off and stop spending good money and throwing good money on bad money. Yes. Then we're going to focus on that 62 to 68% of the patients that you just didn't engage properly. Re-engage them in a payment plan and get you your money. In that first 120 days. Or even beyond. Because you have to remember the phone calls they've been getting are from collection agencies. They're not going to get a phone call saying, Mr. Smith, um, I'm calling you from Dr. S- Dr. Jones' office. We understand you've had some issues, and we and we do have an, a, a you know great opportunity for you. you. We can re-engage this payment process. You've been pre-qualified for a payment plan, and the doctor can have a payment plan for them. And so now you're not being charged 30% to get your money back. You're re-engaging patients who you've lost contact previously, and we engage in multiple fashions. And that collection rate goes to the roof because you're not getting that harassing phone call from ABC and Associates or, or XYZ company, whoever it may be, that most times when you call a patient, they don't even remember the doctor or the, the experience you're talking about unless it was a catastrophic event, you know? So that's really how we help them. And, and that's part of that patient experience is, you know, how did you handle when I had a bad time financially? You know, when times are good, it's really easy. <laughs> but when times are bad, how did you handle me as a patient? And I think that yep. has a lot to do with, you know, again, that spreading the word of that one person that has the time to spread the message. We're speaking with Don O'Neill of Copernicus MD. This is a really cool solution to help patients be able to have a viable financial option to take care of, of either medical costs or procedures, particularly those that are elective, um, that they have a measure of, of obligation for that might be a little bit bigger than the checking account is today that helps protect their credit scores and gives them an actual option to be able to amortize, if you will, over time. They're what could be often a four-figure, even sometimes five-figure um, deductible or copay that they have to come up with. And I, I'm really pleased to be talking about this because the options that patients have had up to this point have been really limited and, and as you've said, have some measure of negative impacts. And one of the things I think is kind of cool I remember from my time in the medical practice is seeing a table in a conference room that regularly had these very neatly stacked and collated patient charts that were being put back together to be resubmitted for payment to like CMS in particular and others where you had to go back and resubmit and they were gathering everything together. And there, there's some technology that you have that helps me do some of that electronically and not fax or mail what can be reams of paper we do so part of what copernicus md offers um the hospitals the facilities and the, and the practices is the clearinghouse solution um what's unique about our software in that aspect is it's real time so the first thing is is that when someone submits a reimbursement claim whether it's private medicare medicaid workman's comp it is submitted in real time there's no batch. We're not waiting until midnight for 3,500 other practices to give us their submissions and then send it out at 1201. The problem with that model is, is that you're waiting until 1201 the next night to find out whether or not that reimbursement was kicked back. So in real time, you're going to find out, is there an issue with my 1500 or my ASCX 12? Whatever I submitted, whether it's private payer or Medicare, Medicaid, TRICARE, you're going to know immediately, is there a problem with my CPT code? Is there a problem with my connector? 
is there a problem with the insurance card the, with the policy number I input? You'll know immediately. And the software is intuitive. It's going to tell you how to fix that problem and then resubmit immediately. The other side of that coin also is, is that it's the ability to attach medical notes and medical records to the submission. And that's important mm-hmm. in government submissions. Yep. It's very important in workman's comp because ultimately what many providers and most providers will do is say, we've submitted it. Make sure you mail in or fax in or scan in an email your medical notes. Well, we have the ability where they can attach those medical notes to the submission. Um, so it does provide at least 14 days expedition as far as it's, it's, it's 14 days faster to get paid. And that's important. Again, for us, it's about more revenue and collecting your revenue faster. On the private side, it's literally being able to know that your submission was received and not wondering, did they get it? And not having to pick up the phone, hey, Blue Cross Blue Shield, did you get my submission? Did you get my bill? It's all real time. Yes. You're not waiting until tomorrow to find out or an email to find out. It's literally right in the dashboard. And then the analytics that come with that to know what are your, who are the payers that are paying you late? What are their payment? You know, how, how long is it taking them? having a change log to know who's touched that submission and where the errors may be. Do I have a physician in my practice who's submitting their notes late? So you you have multiple ways of managing your practice, managing your submissions, but most importantly, getting them out in real time and just getting paid faster mm-hmm. and not waiting to find out what was wrong with the submission. Did I code it incorrectly or you know, did I put the wrong insurance number in there? Did I put the wrong state in there? there it's insane the number of errors that can happen just because I fat-fingered a keyboard and my billing software missed it on a scrub and I submit it and then I got to wait till it comes back the next day or a day later to find out if something was wrong, we eliminate that. And and what we do for the physicians is, is that we give them a fixed cost as opposed to in the market having a transactional cost for, for, for clearing, clearing software. So there are a lot of models out there where they're charging a license fee per user, per biller, per NPI number. Everyone in billing is considered a user, so they pay a license fee. If you have PAs, LPNs, or NPs, they get charged a discounted rate, but they're still charged a license fee. And then you're paying transactional fees on top of that. What we do is we charge a fixed cost to the physician, which is all-inclusive, kind of an all-you-can-eat buffet. We don't care if you submit 10 million times. We're not charging a transactional cost. Now, I know one of the things that many practice administrators and physicians are going to be wondering about is compliance. Uh, we're talking around submitting codes and, and and so forth. How does this affect that side of my practice? So for us, we take compliance seriously because we're governed by two different laws and bodies. So um, we are always above SASE 16, 17, and 18, level one and two, a security level. So that if, if anyone that knows what PCI compliance is, payment card industry compliance it is so far above payment card industry compliance as far as the security of the technology. And what that means is is that our perimeters are secure, our servers are secure, pretty much to Department of Defense levels. Then from a compliance standpoint, as far as the data is concerned and how we segregate in Chinese wall data, you know, we are obligated under the FCRA, which is called FICRA, which is consumer credit. So there's laws that govern how we handle that information. And then obviously HIPAA. There's laws that govern how you handle that information. <laughs> so we're pretty good from a compliance standpoint and assisting physicians. And, and one of the things I will tell physicians that it's a little side note, under the FCRA, there's a lot of laws that deal with consumer credit that most people who are on the periphery don't understand. And I'm going to give the doctors and practice managers a little t- piece of advice. Stop accepting written credit applications from your patients. 
Because the minute that you've done that, you have an obligation under the FCRA on how you interact with that patient. And what I mean by that is, is that you've now accepted a written application. It didn't get sent to the bank. It didn't get sent to the lender. It was handed to you. So when you walk back and say, Mr. Smith, I'm sorry, you were turned down, you're now obligated to give them what's called an adverse action notice. <laughs> because okay. you have given them a yeah, derogatory, it was, it was a denial, derogatory, it's called derogatory turndown. More importantly, you're obligated to save that application, depending on state, a certain number of years. In the event they dispute that application, you're obligated to retain that documentation. And there isn't a practice in the country that's prepared or ready to handle that type of burden of compliance, but yet most of them don't even know it exists. They, I mean, there's nothing nefarious. They have pamphlets on the top of their desk. Customer fills it out. Patient fills it out. They call it in, type it in. Those are things, those are big no-nos when it comes to the FCRA. And that's one of the ways that we help practices is saying, stop doing that because what you're doing probably won't get you in trouble. But if it does, it's going to be really expensive. And let's manage this process in a very compliant fashion. Um, it would kind of be akin to them taking a medical record and leaving it on the counter when they leave at night for the janitor being right. able to see. Yep. I understand. It, it, it's a big problem when it comes to FCRA. When it comes to, we've, we talked about the fact that the this kind of solution is price structured such that even a small practice can gain financial ROI in a couple of different ways, both through collecting revenues that they've already earned, as well as being able to retain revenues that would have been lost because now I can actually afford the procedure where I couldn't pay my patient obligation before. So there's that. And we know that it can help a small or a large practice. Are there particular verticals within healthcare from a specialty perspective where it really begins to make a lot of sense for them to to take a hard look at this, either because number of visits or the type of procedures that they would be doing can often come with a pretty good patient piece? So the electives, you know, your gastroenteros, your ENTs, OBGYNs, um, neuros, ortho orthopedics. <clears throat> but again, anyone that submits a reimbursement can benefit from the software. Um, we guarantee a fixed cost and a fixed savings amount to our practices, our facilities, and our hospitals that deal with us. We are I was talking to actually a lender today that we're providing software for, and my statement to him was, "We believe I'm a capitalist. I believe in profit. I just don't believe in making all the profit off of you. Mm-hmm. So we know that we can be profitable as an organization and still help physicians, practices, and hospitals. And so being the disruptor, we can take a model right now that, quite frankly, most physicians and practices and hospitals are being overcharged for, still remain profitable, give them better service. And come up with a new model of payment where it gives them a fixed savings. And that's how we operate our software is, is we basically look at a rolling 12 months of what you've been paying. Um, and we use a multiplier of 0.70 or 0.75, depending upon the type of practice. And that's an all you can consume. I don't care how many users you have, how many submissions you have. Um, the only thing you would pay additional for is any any type of credit that you would consume, meaning a prequalification from the bureau. Um, but those transactions aren't anywhere near what your reimbursement submissions are. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, it would be impossible for a practice to say, we didn't save substantially by working with Copernicus MD. And again, being driven by physicians is really what drives our mantra and our model because our chairman of the board and our chief medical officer and our chief programmer are all physicians that either are practicing or have practiced. Mm-hmm. And they've been on the other side of that transaction of saying, wow, I feel helpless. 
I know I'm being charged too much, but I don't even know where to go with this. And that's really what the solution is for, is, is to provide that solution at a reasonable cost. We're profitable, but we're also helping the physician and the, and the industry um, in, the, in our vertical. We'll have to have you back. I, I think that this is a really cool solution. I would love to hear if you have maybe a client in the area or that we can connect it with sometime. They would love to hear how it's impacting their their practice, how, how their perception of the, the integration into their daily workflow and all of that is gone. Um, I, I love being able to introduce to businesses, whether they're healthcare or otherwise, uh, solutions that will, if they spend the money on it, then they will be glad they did. You know, it's one of those that comes back with an ROI, either through savings or increased revenue or both, that makes that an obvious, gosh, why wouldn't I do that? Um, this, to me, feels very much like one of those. I wish I had had access to this when I was in the role of practice manager a few years ago, for sure. Uh, talk about where people go to get connected with Copernicus, Copernicus MD. So they can uh, go to the website, www.copernicusmd.com. They can call us toll-free at 877-516-4721. They can email us, sales at copernicusmd.com. Or my personal email is D-O-N-E-I-L-L-D-O-N-E-L at CopernicusMD.com. And if you go to the website, you can actually go online and schedule a demo on the website. Mm -hmm. So you can pick your time and your day based on availability to demo the product. And or you can see us at HIMSS or MGMA or the various shows and you know, I, I wish we were around three years ago to help you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, if you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see the Apple logo. That'll take you to the t- iTunes store where the Top Docs Radio Show podcast lives. And make sure you subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, these cool guests are downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to hear the solutions that they have for you. All of our friends over at Medical Association of Georgia, they've been fantastic partners in making Top Docs Radio available, talking about a host of things, whether it's disease states that that the patient population needs to know a little bit more about or a variety of issues that affect the physicians who are delivering care around the state of Georgia and beyond. So we want to say thank you very much to Donald Pomisano, Mandy, and Tom, and Susan, uh, Lori, all the folks over at Medical Association of Georgia. They've been fantastic partners for us that we appreciate. Everybody out there that made us a part of their day today, I want to say thanks so much. And man, Don, I appreciate you making your way into the studio. Appreciate you having us. We look forward to catching up with you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 